Hello and welcome to We're Listening, the podcast all about Frasier. I'm Will. Okay. And this week we are looking at Season 2, Episode 14, Fool Me Once, Shame on You, in which Frasier has his briefcase and subsequently his identity stolen by a self-described lazy man. So Key, obviously the, the central plot point in this episode is the briefcase theft. Have you ever had any personal property, personal property rather, stolen from you? Um, touch wood. Touch wood. No, no, I have not. No, well, I've been quite. Okay, I feel but... like most people have had a, a run in at some point with theft, so I think that's really good. You've gone twenty four years and and not had they. Really hope you've not drinks me now, mate. Do what I'm doing here, man. Basically putting night. a curse on you. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. I've had the most recent. Really, it's pretty inconsequential in the grand scheme, and I, I don't lose sleep over it. It's just it is an example of theft. Um, it is a pair of football boots that I had when we were the place we go to play five aside. Where we were sitting outside the reception area where most people congregate before and after a game. And I was changing out of my boots into my trainers to walk back to the car. And I did that and stupidly just left them on the pavement. And literally, I noticed when I got back to the to the car, and but in the time that I'd come back, they'd already been taken. Um, that was literally like two minutes, three minutes, insane. Um, inversely, I've dropped my wallet on the train before with full of all of my stuff, my credit card, my driver's license, everything. And it was handed in to the train station at uh, at Nuneaton, actually. So I just had to get the train oh. back to there, and someone had handed it in, and they hadn't taken any of the money either. I couldn't believe it. Like that, that to me was just like ridiculous. Like that doesn't happen. It's um. I mean, that's. I was about to. The first half of your little comment, I was, I was thinking, wow, people are scum. I hate them. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, they're not that bad. Like, I, I need. I'm getting whiplash here, to be honest with you. <laughs> so many years, but one minute it's like, oh, Will, no, you had it stolen from you. And then, bam, you know, redeemed again. So, you know, people people can be uh, pretty good in the world when they need to be, which is interesting because we were talking about that last week. And that is the whole plot point of this episode is like, are people innately good? Um, but before we get to that, shall we took ourselves into Trivia Corner? Let's do it. Excellent. We've been sent in some questions by the usual Quizmasters, Corey and Hamish, and Missy has sent in a question as well, so I'm just going to go over to Reddit and get those for you. Okay, okay, are you ready for Hamish's questions? I am indeed. Excellent. Question one. In Cafe Nervosa, how well would Ros and Niles get along if they actually had a proper conversation? This is a line, a word Fraser uses. I think I know this because there's another show I like um, where they used to, a similar phrase. Um, they would get along famously. They do, and I feel like I have used this in in sentences since watching this episode. And I think I get it from this. I don't know. It's a great little adjective to throw in there, isn't it? I know. Like another show I really like, Red Dwarf. Oh, um, per Steve, who will be listening right now, loves Red Dwarf. Yeah, there's uh, one of the characters, Rimmer, often, sometimes says the phrase, oh, we'll get along just famously. Yeah, that's where I, I think that's the phrase I've heard the most that be used, like you'll get along famously or they got along famously. Um, yeah, so well, Blake, okay. question two. According to Niles, how do rude people glide through life? Mm. Okay. This is a good question. I've, I have a feeling I could be wrong on this. Does Niles say to the, the blonde woman, I think something like, oh, you... No, I think he, does he does he say like you narcissists guide through life something like that or you're so close do you want to trying to take one more one more stab um there's a there's a bit before so maybe, the narcissism maybe self-centered narcissists maybe something close. like that close I'm gonna give you a half a point he says uh for a cozy cocoon of narcissism 
There That's you go. a good phrase, it, isn't it? It is. Cozy it's Cocoon has got such a musical quality to it. So. I feel like you're going to start using that to advertise this podcast. Okay, yeah, well, that is what some people might describe this as. No, <laughs> no, not me, but there you go. Um, okay, question three. What is Fraser's nickname in this episode and who calls him it? This is good. Frasier okay. might be in quote marks as a clue here. Oh, okay. Because mm-hmm. I was thinking... I think he gets called a couple of different nicknames in this episode, but given that you're saying Frasier's in quote marks, I'm thinking, is it when... Is it Denise who calls him up and goes, Hi, Tiger? Yes, that is exactly what I'm looking for. Denise, the uh, the seductress on the line. <laughs> yes, Rob Lake is... Uh, it's the one I was thinking. I think um, Martin calls him a few names as well, doesn't he? He does. I've got those noted yeah. down, actually. Boneheaded Rube uh, was one of them. Um, I can't remember what the other one was. I've got it here somewhere, but we'll get there on my um, when we do the review. But yeah, and also lazy bastard for the other for the bad Frasier um, at the very at the very end. So I don't trust anyone. <laughs> lazy bastard. Don't trust anyone. Okay, Missy Callis's question to, to to round out um Hamish's submissions this week. When Daphne is telling her story of moving to London, she's folding a towel. What color is that towel? Oh, God. This is going to be a complete shot in the dark. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got no idea. I remember the story. You've got two story. stabs at this question, and I'll explain why. But first, just give me your colour for that initial question. Um, oh, red. I don't know. Red is spot on. <laughs> now, the camera cuts away to Martin and Frazier, then goes back to Daphne, and the towel colour has changed to what? It's a different colour. It's a different colour. Um, what could it be? What's a common towel? Like, I don't think you get... To, I mean, it's going to be either white or red, or blue. White, white or blue, isn't it, really? Because they're mm. your main towel colours. You're dealing with your, your towel primaries there. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's your, your core towels. <laughs> the core <laughs> towels. Before you get into those fancy towels. <laughs> um, I'm going to say blue. Okay, take a bow. Take right? a bow. It is red to blue. And I, I noticed it was red when watching, but I didn't notice it had changed. So great, great eye for Missy there. Um, but yeah, that, that happens a lot, weirdly, in, in sitcoms. And I never get why. Did they suddenly say, right, let's shoot it again? And then for some reason, the red towel is taken away and a blue is replaced. It doesn't make any sense to me, but there you go. Um, but brilliant. Well played, Kay. That's uh, basically three and a half out of four. So... Very good. The first time in my life, having a defined primary colour of towels has <laughs> come in handy. Honestly, mate, that kind of knowledge can get you through life. <laughs> okay, do you want to uh, read yours out for me? Okay, yes, so um, my first question for you. Mm-hmm. Who did Martin call on the force? Oh, bugger. He calls an old buddy of his to tell him. I think it was about Fraser's car. <sighs> sure. I don't know. Oh, no. I, I'm going to just guess. I don't know. I'm going to say Charlie. It's Charlie. Oh, my God. I, I, honestly, I, that's going to look like I've cheated. I, all, I had Charlie in my head because I'm like, oh, there's God Uncle Charlie in a different episode. And I'm like, I feel like I hear Martin say the name Charlie a lot, so I've just took a stab. That's ridiculous. What a day for guessing this I is know. proving to be. Wow, I feel okay. we should do the lottery later tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, subconsciously, I've, I've obviously heard that name when I was watching the episode, so it, it's not that miraculous, but I just did not It's pretty damn miraculous. Well, Thanks, um, Kate. Well, Thanks for saying that. You didn't them, need to say that. I'm going to send this podcast to the Vatican, get them to do a proper <laughs> check, because we might have just get experienced a miracle. Get this to be exercised. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, question two. Okay, lay it on, mate. Why does Niles 
think the br the priest stole Fraser's briefcase. Uh, oh. At least why does he think it's the same briefcase? Because it was the same inferior leather. <laughs> yes, that's that so correct. I bought him that briefcase. I know. <laughs> so good. Okay, and uh, my third and final question. Okay. What is the name of the woman at Alberto's? Oh, man. Oh, does it begin with an F? No, it does not. Oh, damn. <laughs> I really thought it began with an F. I was going to say, like, Frank Cheska or Francine or something. Um, I don't know where they've come from. Okay, you're going to have to tell me, unless you're feeling generous and give me the first initial. Um, was someone our year at school who had to say... It's, it's only, we only get a first name. There was someone our year at school who had this name. Oh goodness that's why i thought francesca oh man no you have to tell me her name was heather 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 there you go quite quite uncommon um not a super common nickname so there you go but well played Key. well played well no well played in your question making but i i mean what did i get there two out of three it's not too bad you did really well mate you did really well thanks man thank you right <laughs> move over to uh mischief nights for you to uh see out trivia corner okay i hope hopefully none of the questions here um Oh, no, as far as I'm aware, none of the questions have, have jarred or have duplicated this week, which is really good. So question one, who did Frasier loan the two-day rental to? Oh, um, this is Andrew Dickinson film, isn't it? Uh, it is. Who did he loan the rental to? He gave it to the Monsignor to give to the priest <laughs> to give to him. <laughs> I've, I've never heard that term till I read, and weirdly, we mentioned this last week, Angels and Demons um, by Dan Brown. Um, terrible, terrible book. Never ever read it. But they, I think the main, I think Ewan McGregor in the film played him. I think he's he is the Monsignor. He's like the antagonist of the film slash book. So that's the first time I ever yeah. heard that term. Are they like a really high-ranking priest or something? Yeah, I think Monsignor is the next step up from priest because um, a priest, our parish priest, as a boy when we were at school, right after he became a Monsignor and he's now a bishop. Oh wow! Okay, so it's Monsignor yeah. Bishop, then what's after Archbishop, and then and then Cardinal, I think. Wow! And then Cardinal, it's Pope. <laughs> yes, that's the next <laughs> man, like the General of the Catholic Army. <laughs> I, um, I, don't know, I feel we, we may be oversimplifying this. I think <laughs> they're all the big names, aren't they? They're all the big ranks. I don't think we're going to yeah. upset too many people unless there's a Cardinal listening. Going, I dare you <laughs> underwrite my my position. I okay. the family of a priest casually ask about like promotion. Oh, so you're going to be looking to make Cardinal in the next few years? <laughs> <laughs> Your commission's looking really good this year. <laughs> okay, question two. Fully describe the writing implement inside the briefcase. There are two separate descriptions that uh, fully complete the description of the thing inside the briefcase. It's a writing implement. Can you tell me what? You're not talking about his diary because he's got like a date. I'm not talking about the diary, diary though. That is related. That's a pretty decent clue, I'd say. It's like a fountain pen. Oh, it? it is. There's one more term um, that is said by the thief rather than Frasier. Frasier says to Niles that there's a fountain pen in there. But when the thief, I think, calls him at KSEL and describes what's inside, he adds an extra descriptor to the fountain pen. I've got no idea. Mm, it's, um, it's a colour. Black fountain Ooh, pen. It's gold, very, very classy. A gold, oh, gold. fountain pen. Have you ever tried writing with one of them? Because I find them insane. My nan um, likes a fountain pen. Really? Yeah, like I think she's got a fountain pen that she uses, but they all look really complicated to me. I don't like, get how you. Yeah, like, you know where you stand with a ballpoint pen, but a fountain pen. It's like, what is this? I'm like, it's like a blade with ink coming out of it. No, I feel like it judges me. 
I, yeah, I am there. Like, your about... handwriting is not good enough to use, mate. So put me down. Yeah. That's what they say. You're gonna smudge me. I can see it. Doing, <laughs> Honestly, imagine like a left-handed person having to use one of those. It'd suck for them. They'd be smudging the ink everywhere. You know. You get what... like because I'm really dumb. Do you get special left-handed fountain pens for? Uh... Maybe they've got like quick drawing ink because otherwise, other, other than writing from right to left in the opposite direction, I don't see how they could avoid their hand going over the ink. Um, Just thinking like um, Leftorium in The Simpsons, and he's yes. like, oh, left handed ledgers and stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it is weird. About like 10%, is it something like one in 10 people are left handed, you know, and they are kind of grossly um, Dis, done a disservice, I think, in general things like that. You know, I mean, chances are someone listening is left-handed, so please let us know, or we can see how you struggle with a fountain pen or not, as the case may be. Um, okay, okay. Final question, and then there's a, there's a little bonus as well. What does Frazier supposedly meet with the thief for while his car was being stolen? This he is according to Niles. Quentin, oh, so not why they actually were going. To no, me. why does he supposedly meet with him? Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, is this when Niles uh, tells Martin when they get back to the apartment? It is. That's he says um, they've met for was it low fat lattes and biscotti. Yes, which sounds lovely. I could go with some he's, of that right now. He, sounds, he says biscotti quite weird. He's like biscotti. I think he yeah, says. Yeah, he really gets his mouth around it. I feel like that term gets like it's it's just a really elitist word, sounding word anyway. And they they love to throw it out on this on this show. Um, but yeah, for sure, low fat lattes and biscotti. Biscotti. So well played. Biscotti. Bonus question. What is Nathan Lane's character name? So Nathan Lane being the the lazy bastard. Um, <laughs> See, I name... call him the thief. You call him lazy <laughs> bastard. He has a name, and it's only listed in the credits. So unless you spotted it in the credits, key, you're just going to have to take I... an amazing guess. I did not spot it. If you, the, can, uh... if you get this, I'll, I'll be honest with you. It's a really run of the mill name. Um, it's not something. No. It's not like Heather. It's way more common than that. That's all I'll give I, you. I'm going to go with... This is a complete shot in the dark, by the way. Okay. If, I, if I get this, we are playing the lottery tonight because... <laughs> yeah, honestly, we've time. got to. We have to. Um, Tommy. Is it Tommy? <sighs> he looked like a Tommy. He does look like a Tommy, but I'm afraid it's Phil. It's just simply oh. Phil. He doesn't look like a Phil. Tommy would have been a much better look name. Like he looks a bit like Italian-American. I can see like a, you know, a Tommy, Tommy DeVito, yeah. or even though that is literally the name of Joe Pesci's character from Goodfellas. So <laughs> maybe give him a different name than Tommy DeVito. Maybe um, Tommy DeVito or um, Marlon Brando, <laughs> something like that. You know, one of those good names. <laughs> but there you go. So wow, play, okay. not not a too bad showing there. Um, and thank you, Corey, for those questions. So he's got these little fun bits as well, which we'll get to in a, into Listener Mail. But let's jump into the review. Animation Watch Key. Can you tell me what it was this week, please? Is it a lift going up, I think? Yeah, very boring. Very boring. I'm on a new one by now. That is just one step away from, from no Absolute animation. Absolute judgment in your voice. Honestly, I'm, I'm just getting... I'm taking it to heart now, the animations. Niall's getting ghosted at the door. I do what he does all the time. Um, sometimes under my breath, sometimes loudly, and I hope the person hears me. But, I mean, what's your take on, on kind of manners of, of holding a door open, etc.? So I get annoyed if someone doesn't say thank you, but I won't vocalise it. I'll just like roll my eyes and wave my arms around a little bit behind their back so they can't yeah, see. Yeah, waving me. the arms is a big one as well. I do that. Then a if lot. they turn around, I will instantly start like, pretend to be scratching my head or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Um, I mean, this is a big thing when I'm in the car as well. When people don't say thank you and I'm like, I let them through. 
but then when you're in the car you can be a lot more vocal <laughs> um and you can be a lot more gesticulative if that's the word but i, I, I feel I, like you're you you're chasing them down for 20 miles going where's my thank you wave mate okay. <laughs> i feel like doing that um one thing i hate as well is when someone's letting me through and i wave or say thanks and they don't acknowledge it they don't like <laughs> they don't look at me when i'm saying thanks they're like look at me when i'm trying to be nice here um that really annoys me but yeah you want to thank you for your thank you right essentially yeah i think that's very british <laughs> of me but there you go um niall's excited here because he's pumped the gas himself so much that he wants fraser to smell his hands um two questions Thanks. here key do you pump your own gas and second question do you like the smell of, uh, of petrol okay first question i don't pump my own gas because i don't have a car <laughs> if you did though would you let the the forecourt attendant pump your gas or would you do it yourself I'm pretty sure we don't have four court attendants in we don't they're not very common but the one near us the shell garage has one um and he always really? kind of walks over to you and just kind of like lurks behind the pillars as if to say oh do you need me and i was going that's okay man it's okay um but yeah i've never actually seen a four court attendant it, they're weird and a kind of a dying breed do you do you hit them do you pay them what um i think maybe the implication is you can if you want but i mean one i would never let them do it i'm happy to do it myself but two if they did I, I wouldn't tip them. I mean, petrol's expensive enough as it is, and it takes all of one minute to do. So, and what, what, what are we going to do while they do it? Just stand there. <laughs> like, I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't you know, where... do, you, do you make small talk? Do you sit in the car and wait? I'm I don't know. I'm going to get to small talk later, actually, but uh, I've got comments um, on small talk. But yeah, where do you is... where do you stand on the smell of petrol? Okay, a couple of points. One, I love the smell of petrol. Oh, it's who amazing. doesn't, Matt? Um, but also, the thing that. Um, what really reminds me of this, like when Nars goes, smell my hands. Mm -hmm. um, in the current climate, working in an office, mm -hmm. there is hand sanitizer everywhere. And if you've got hand sanitizer that's been set out, some of them do got start to smell a bit funky. Oh, man. Um, some of them are like pure Jack Daniels. It's like just pure it, alcohol. It's horrible. We've got one, I swear to you, it smells like tequila. Oh, man. And so everyone, when I use it for the first time, is walking around to random people going, look, can you smell my hands? <laughs> oh, man. Honestly, it turns my stomach, that kind of really heavy alcohol stuff. Um, really, really uncomfortable. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I love the smell of petrol as well. Like, ever since I was a kid, like, just... In, you're not meant to, but you just inhale that stuff till it basically feels like you've got high. It's excellent. I don't know anyone who doesn't like the smell of petrol. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's a weird one. I think I think most people listening would say the same. It's it's kind of universally loved and universally terrible for you, but there you go. Universally loved for its smell, not for its, you know, the what it's doing to the country and the <laughs> world and, you know, wildlife. Niall's here... No, Fraser talks about the new tradition of uh, watching an Angie Dickinson movie with a, a pot of Martin's Five Alarm Chili. This is something that's quite common in, in the US, and I know your your mind will be going where my mind is going here, to The Simpsons with, uh, with Ned Flanders' one it was alarm. only at two alarms. Two alarms. <laughs> yeah. We go to jail, Dad. We'll see, son. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I, think, I just assume this is their like, rating of, of spice. Um, I, I don't know what equates to what over here, because we don't really have anything comparable we just say oh yeah it's spicy or it's not but i mean i love chili con carne and it's probably the thing i can cook the best i'm not a great cook but i can make a really decent chili which isn't a great achievement i think most people can make chili um but yeah you a fan key i'm not i'm not a fan of chili mate whoa what? see my meals i'm good at doing i could i could do a good fry up okay that's well and... that, that there's a lot of multitasking involved there so i think that's fair play i can make a very solid chicken pie that, that see that's more impressive that is that's really good 
But that's it. I can't do anything else. Everything else is very... It's poor to average everything else. I think every day having a fry up and a chicken pie sounds like a heaven. I think I could I could do that. I mean, I'd be dead within weeks. But... Yeah, you will be in heaven very shortly. <laughs> <laughs> Cholesterol will be off the charts there. Um, amazing, quite a couple of amazing lines from Nars here. One, the fact that he's ordered a work shirt to tackle the squeaky hasp on his cigar humidor is incredible. Actually, watching Gilmore Girls recently, there was a mention of a humidor. and I didn't actually know what one was. Um and I still, I did Google it. Let me just Google it again. Is it like a humidifier sort of thing? Is it? Different? There we go. Yeah, it's a basically like a, a, a fancy box that you keep the cigars in. Um, okay. Quite <laughs> expensive. And I, I think the idea is you can adjust the the kind of climate control in them so that they don't dry out. They stay like the, or maybe they do. You want them dry? I'm not sure, but you can control the the climate of of the box on really expensive ones. I think. Um, so it's just a good way of preserving your cigars. But uh, but yeah, he's that's an amazing line. And then later when when Roz kind of says, you know, um, he asks an example from Roz about a time he's insulted her. And he's like, I, I was hoping that would be the one you'd name. Um, really great from David Hyde Pierce there. I really, really love the, um, the back and forth between Roz and Niles and their insults in this one. It's really good. But weirdly, it also feels like they've kind of stepped back a little bit to like they still don't know each other that well. Whereas like... In episodes like Flower Child, you know, they're sitting around a table in Novosa, kind of chatting and talking as if they've known each other a bit longer. So it's a great interaction. But for me, it kind of pushes back their relationship a little bit. I don't know. Maybe that's just in my head. No, I, I agree with you. I think that um, there is a definite sort of a weird vibe that she sort of just, I think she comes and stands slightly away as though she doesn't want to sit by him. And, and it has yeah. got very season one or start of season one vibes to it. Yeah, that's a very kind of strong thing to do isn't it like it's very appointed it's not like oh you know she's rolling her eyes at something he says it's quite it's quite exaggerated um which i think is interesting um, I, I love your bedroom is easier to get into than a community college that's an amazing line and i know you love community the tv show so doubly funny there and i really love as well um the way their relationship changes towards the end of this this little dialogue between them um, Niles goes, yes, I was insulting, but you got a couple of good shots yourself. And she's, I did, didn't I? <laughs> I'm so glad we did this. Then <laughs> <laughs> Frasier, sometimes I'm such a good therapist, I scare myself. <laughs> it's just such a good line. I mean, not before we get to that bit where they, they kind of, you know, say, oh, yeah, you know, I did get some good japes in there. Their small talk's obviously really awkward. And that was, I've mentioned it earlier. I mean, how, where do you stand on small talk generally, Kick? So I absolutely loathe it, very fibre of my being. I loathe. Absolutely yeah. hate small talk. I, I just think that's part of being British as well. I don't think it's we're okay. If you do, if you manage to get into it, you're doing okay. <laughs> There's a lot of awkward pauses. And, and if you're the one who has to start it, that is a nightmare because God, yeah. there is nothing you can, there's no way of starting small talk without sounding weird. It's I, not. Oh, I, I like your shoes. Oh, yeah, cathedral bells. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm so with you there. I absolutely loathe it. I mean, it's okay. Like, if you if you got a common subject like football or something, then you're off to a flyer because there's there's no end to things you can talk about there. Um, but if whenever I've had whenever I've had to go on like a double date, mm-hmm. and I'm inevitably being stuck with the other guy. Yeah. I say, do you like football? If he says no, I'm like, oh, okay. Okay, well, I'll go to the bar. 
um yeah so love to hear listeners thoughts on small talk i feel like america as a nation it's a bit more gregarious and outgoing than we are so they might not be as as adverse to it but i could be wrong don't want to generalize um maris maris the heiress it's kind of hard to say because they're trying to make it rhyme but it doesn't like the way roz says it it kind of rhymes and it doesn't but it's a great insult um and quite quite sharp and pointed really i think nars does well to not like lose it because he normally does when people are bad mouth maris so um it's a great one from roz and then we have this this scene with the priest who is just such a sweet little old dude and i feel really bad for him here but like it's it's weird the way he delivers that line or you know the the parishioners or something you know gave it to me or it was a gift from the nuns blah 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 the way he says it he kind of like looks away that like rolls his eyes a little bit i don't know if you notice this but it's a really weird bit of like i don't get the impression he did a lot of acting <laughs> I did not notice that. No, it's, um, it's, it's really small and quick, but he kind of just like delivers his line and kind of breaks eye contact in a way that's a bit like, I don't know, it's a bit melodramatic in a way. It's strange. But what do you make of the priest? I have a couple of thoughts on the priest. One, I'm he's a... so sweet and lovable. Like he doesn't yeah. get at all angry with Frasier for this um, insinuation or accusation that he's stolen a briefcase. He just completely accepts it and just sort of walks off at the end. It just says, oh, what are you looking for? Like when he's rooting through his own briefcase. Oh, can I help you? you know, what, what is it specifically you're after? Like he doesn't give one. And he's, you know, I mean, I know priests are very tolerant and, you know, temperate people, but um, I'd be pretty cheesed off if Frazier was rummaging through my, through my briefcase in a very suspicious manner, especially in a public place as well. He's being like, outed as a potential thief in front of loads of people. Um, the the yeah. other thing I know about the priest. Okay. Do you need a briefcase for a Bible and rosary beads? <laughs> Where else you can you wear, take? you can wear rosary beads around your neck. You can you can pull that off. So getting unwanted attention, maybe on the subway by um some. He's ang- wearing a turtleneck. No one notices. <laughs> some angry, maybe I don't know. Some angry unorthodox religion affiliates see him and they think, right, I'm get him. Say, he could hide his rosary beads under his turtleneck if he's that worried about it. And Until... technically, he could use the Bible to beat them off. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, he, if he became overran by unorthodox religious affiliates. There you go. Um, <laughs> okay then. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, have you never, you never, you've never, you known some priests in your time, you've never known one to have a briefcase? I genuinely don't think I've ever known a priest have a briefcase, no. I don't think I know many people who own a briefcase, to be honest. I can't remember the last time I saw one. They're very much a thing of the past now, aren't they? Um, yeah, I think people go for satchels more than briefcases these days. You want yeah. something you can put over your shoulder or something like that without having to carry. I think, yeah, and I think it just makes perfect sense. Uh, there's something very elegant about a classic briefcase, some very like noir, James Bond-esque, but, you know, we can't all look like that. We just look like an idiot. So we then cut to the apartment where um, Frazier tells Martin about it, and he's actually quite... Martin's quite understanding. Fraser expects him to be kind of really lampooning, and he's actually quite okay with the fact that you know people stink, according to Martin. And uh, you know, funny that he says that because I said earlier that's the precise opposite sentiment of what we talked about last week and the book you're reading, Humankind. Um, the idea that people are innately bad, and you know, Fraser says. I believe, you know, people are basically good and decent. So he's on your side and on the book side there, Frazier is, whereas Martin is, I don't want to say on my side because I don't think people are innately bad, but I'm more on the fence. I'm not quite as uh, as made up my mind here, but just, yeah, I really like the way Martin's quite understanding of this happening because maybe as a cop, he would be. Yeah, I think, just going on a slight tangent before I comment on that. 
is by um, all means. humankind has this uh, in the book it has this thing it says that imagine you're living on two planets one um, planet a you you're on a plane mm-hmm. pilot passes out and you're told that you're you're gonna crash and has to be an emergency exit and all that sort of thing yeah um do like does everyone help their children and the elderly and the disabled get off first and then orderly make their way off the plane mm-hmm. or planet b does everyone attack each other um every man for himself children get trampled everyone you know the elderly get trampled um yeah it's every man for himself book reckons that 97 i think he said something like 97 percent of people would say we live on planet B, and it would be every man for himself. Yeah. In practice, um, evidence apparently shows that we're on planet A, and people would help each other out. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I would 100% be on that. that, that right, I don't want to mix the percentages. I was going to say, I'd want 100% be with that 97%. <laughs> um, I would definitely be with the side saying we're planet B, because I just think, although I wouldn't do that, I would look to the children and, and the people around me um you know as as would you as would probably everyone listening to this show there are a lot of selfish people in the world and i can imagine a lot of people in that face with that would just be like no i'm going back but yeah i i think i think maybe when when you're in the kind of weird calm that happens in an emergency sometimes you maybe do take stock of what's happening and you 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 help people out in that way so yeah i think i think it's take heart from the fact then that it's uh maybe planet a after all um, maybe not Martin's Planet B, where people stink and just want to throw throw themselves out of the emergency exit doors. Um, but I think you can definitely understand why Martin thinks people stink because he, as a cop, will have just seen the worst of everyone. He will, yeah. He's he's no. seen the very specific side of that, hasn't he? You know, he's probably seen a lot of traumatic things. He's seen a lot of innocent people being you know, taken advantage of um, by yeah. people like lazy bastard in this episode <laughs> so, hey, his name is phil <laughs> i'm sorry phil um i mean I, I, can't, I really like phil actually you know it's gotta yeah, be sad I mean, you know, he's, got, he's got a lot of charisma you know give me an out give me an a <laughs> but the phrase like a con artist is like it's a confidence artist isn't it it's all about you fool them with confidence and like owning the situation and stuff yeah and phil does that so well you know i'm lazy 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 let me let me push that button for you it's a bit tricky <laughs> he does it so well it's so weird you say that actually i've never actually stopped to think that con is short for confidence man um obviously maybe deep down i knew but yeah like it's true it's it's amazing what you can achieve and not just in a in a deceptive way but in anything in life just by being confident confidence is an insane skill to have not one i would say i possess um i tend to do like you know for example speaking for other people i tend to get super nervous whereas the people that are confident you tend to come away from their talks thinking god that was really good and like the talk might not have actually been that good but if someone can like be confident enough in what they're saying not in an arrogant way then you know yeah i think i think confidence goes a long way but what what do you make here of, of Daphne's monologue? Um, I was just about to ask you what side is she actually on here. Okay, well, what I definitely can't answer that. Um, <laughs> but two, generally, did this work for you or not? I don't want to lead you with that question. I, oh, I don't. I, I kind of don't know. Um, I like the punchline. I do which like is the punchline? Frustrating for me. I feel. I feel bad that I've been ragging on Daphne a lot on this podcast. It's you know, I feel like it's becoming a bit of a negative trait that people aren't going to like. But I just—it's not her fault. It's the you know, it's the writing that they gave her here. But I just think this monologue is too long and not funny enough. Yeah, I mean, I definitely sort of tune out. 
for the first 80%. I, I tune yeah. back in when she starts talking about the tiny old man with the notes. That's when I start. Yeah, because that's when you know the gag's coming. It's like, okay, this is funny again. Like, there's way too much setup. Um, and, you know, I can. I don't. There you go. I don't even know if, like, is, is fellatio a joke you would put in a show like Frasier? I don't know. I'm not. It's a, it's a funny term for for what you know what it describes yeah. in a way that it would maybe be at home in Fraser because it's like the upper class name for it. Um, but would a homeless man have you know tried to write that? On, I don't know. I don't know. It's a weird one. I, I can see it being a word they use on Fraser, but also it doesn't quite land here. It's a it's a it's a weird one. It's a quite a funny iconic line, the Flacio one. I know, I know Steve and John, who, who will hopefully be listening. Um, we we make a joke out about this line quite a lot, but yeah, it's it's a it's Do a weird really one. Like like the delivery of the punchline from mm. Jane Leaves. I think she delivers the punchline very well. Yeah, I think the she way does. she just walks off, it works well. <laughs> yeah, I'm, just, I'm not a hundred percent sure about the joke, and I just, it goes on very very long. And yeah. To be honest with you, I mean, you could cut out, I think, about three sentences from that monologue and just go, I was very mistrusting of people back then, um, but I decided that was no way to live. One day, a tiny old man came up to me. Just do it like that. I just don't think you need the whole bit about how I walked around with my eyes cast down. Yeah. It, it, that goes on and on and on. And you're like, okay, we understand. Yeah. So right. Yeah. The setup is massive. It takes too long. Um, yeah. Spot on. I think, I think, I think that your abridged version is what they 100% should have used. But um, after this after this apartment scene, we're back in KACL, Frazier describes his show as fun, which I feel like he's slightly insensitive when he's been dealing with people with mental health problems all day. Like, oh, that was a fun show, you know. Thank you for phoning up with your anxiety and paranoia and schizophrenia. Like, It's a, it's a weird way to describe a, a mental health psychiatry show as fun. But um, we only ever see the funny callers. But I think if we're, if we're to assume 90% of the show, we never see and it will deal with pretty you know serious things it just seems a bit of a strange word to use i love that he calls out nasty old gertrude nasty old gertrude yeah man. it's been fun chatting with you all except for nasty old gertrude <laughs> <laughs> i wonder if they like just they, something about the name gertrude they didn't like because obviously daphne's mom they clearly uh had it in for that name it's a pretty harsh name isn't it like it's got a lot of a lot of i don't know what the word i don't know what the word is a harsh quite a violent name and it's just it like sounds I think Gertrude, I think an old woman on her porch, no teeth, but with a shotgun always nearby. <laughs> oh God, that sounds like a terrible situation to be in. Do you know anyone under the name of under the age of sixty called Gertrude? I don't know anyone called Gertrude. <laughs> exactly. That's because they shoot off anyone who comes near that property. <laughs> it's because they, yeah, they, they end up killing everyone else. That all that's left to kill is each other. All the other Gertrude <laughs> in the world as well as not left. Um, we have now one of my again. I mean, for the third week running, and I'm I'm, I'm not no no seat of power. Then I, I missed it for us in the dark house. Then last week, retirement is murder. We had one, and I'm confident enough to say that this again is in the third entry in my top ten favorite lines. Um, so season two is really hitting it home here. When he says um, he describes the clothes that are in the briefcase, and he says, "Oh, also the, the double-breasted navy blue suit was meant to be worn with French cuffs and medium heel wingtips. You may be sick, but there's no reason why you shouldn't be stylish." <laughs> The way he says stylish, absolutely <laughs> amazing. And a mutual friend of ours who loves Fraser as well, we quote that line together all the time. 
Do we have a mutual friend who also likes Frasier? Jacko? I did not know Jacko liked Frasier. Jacko knows Frasier as well as we do. Like, honestly, like he, he he's seen it as much as we have. He quotes it as much as we do. He, honestly, he, he could do this podcast with us. That is I how much not know that. I know. How amazing is that? I mean, Diver loves it as well. Did you know Diver loved it? No, I don't know. I, really, I'm not talking to these people enough. About yeah, Diver's a big fan. Like, he doesn't know it quite as well as, as me and me, you and Jack, but he, he knows it more than the average person, um, for sure. I think he even he even registered a, a Tumblr username, uh, URL website in case you ever wanted to use it which is through the clown's mouth darkly.tumblr which is the amazing reference to Fraser's short story about crazy golf which I think is like season 8 or 9 it's an amazing amazing line but yeah so there you go Got a lot of what, I, what I love about this scene I love Bray Kelsey's delivery mm, just stylish yeah everything works so well and he does it really well um, later on in the episode as well I think um, Denise calls up yeah. And reminds me a bit. Do you know um, Mo in The Simpsons? He's like, oh, I'm choking on my own rage here. Um, <laughs> yeah. After Denise calls, I mean, like, Kelsey's voice goes so sort of deep and gravelly and he's sort of growling his lines out. It's just, oh, it's so good. Absolutely brilliant. He's, he's a master of voice, voice acting, isn't he? Like, he does so much with that voice. It's it's a gift. Um, I mean, one of the, another line. I mean, this, in fact erase the stylish one from my top 10 and put this one in its place because this one's even better when he's describing the imperfections of the briefcase to identify it it's like you might see the half moon shaped watermark left by the careless resting of a champagne flute I mean that is just unbelievable that is only a line you'd hear in Frasier and the, yeah, I just love the comeback though of, well it's fully of stuff Dr. that is what makes it hilarious is the fact it's undercut oh, this is something hilarious about the, the term champagne flute where we would just call it a glass over here well wow but not not even over here a normal american who isn't you know sipping champagne every week would not call it a flute um i just think that's a brilliant line uh he meets he well he arranges to meet him at navosa at this point is this the only time navosa's given actual geographic directions or location do we think when he says he's on pike and third i'm trying to think if it's ever mentioned again because if it is, it won't be any more specific than that. He'll just say Pike and Third again. Or indeed, maybe they forget and they give it a different location, I wonder. I definitely can't remember it being given a location. However, I do feel that is the sort of thing I would have forgotten and uh, yeah, not necessarily picked up on before we started doing the podcast. So I think it's definitely um, something going forward. If they do give it a different location, we'll be like, oh, you know, look, there you go. He said it was Pike and Third in Formula One. So we probably keep our eyes out for that. Other listeners will know better than we do because there's some some good Frasian buffs out there um i do have a question though about Roz in this scene mm-hmm. does Roz not get an annual leave because she asks for friday off mm-hmm. flatly gets told no yeah um, in a way that just really harsh how is her annual leave system working because she must get leave then <laughs> that's she goes home to wisconsin doesn't she for like you know some some trips and yeah i, I I just think maybe it's because it's such short term notice, um, short notice rather. Maybe like it's Tuesday or something or Wednesday and she wants that Friday. And obviously, typically speaking, you don't normally book annual leave in, with such short notice. So maybe that's why. I also feel, though, that Frasier would not be her line manager. I feel that she would have a producery line manager. It's a very good point. Frasier would, would not oversee the producers. Her holiday, would he? Um, um, I don't think you'd ask the, the on-air talent. For, for the the on-air. No, it's a really, really good point. They're both employees of KACL. 
um, he's not Roz's superior in any way. Um, you need, but then also, why is he so like reticent to give her it? Because he doesn't technically need a producer. All he has to do is just like answer a line and hope it's someone that isn't crazy. You know, I mean, it was enough. literally like last week we saw Roz in the dark house and his show went to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's yeah, it's it yeah, it's a funny one. I think I think the fact that she asks Fraser and he just flatly says no. It's just like could have got the hunting and trials man back. <laughs> yeah, man, get that guy. Oh, but also, someone says someone says this in Listener Mail. In fact, I won't say it because it'll spoil it. But it's we mentioned how he comes back in the show as a different person. Um, someone tells us who that is, and I remembered instantly. I was annoyed; I'd completely forgot. So we'll get there. Coffee count this week key is four. I've counted Fraser having two, which is one at the very beginning. Um, though we don't actually see him drink it it's just on the table Roz has one no, yeah Roz has one at that point Niles doesn't and then back when they're in KSCL later Fraser and Niles have another one again um, so I have got I've got four there um, I might have made it was a tough one it might be, a, might be a mistake there but as I say this isn't an exact science and there's going to be some imperfections so you'll have to take it with a pinch of salt we have them chasing out of Nervosa at this point because They've realised they've been duped, and the guy is stealing the BMW, which is driving right down the street. Frasier shouting, stop that well-dressed man, is just... It's hilarious in its delivery. It's even funnier in the implication Frasier would think the guy would choose to dress up in his clothes from the briefcase, which I think is just moronic. But then he does. When we see him later in the seat in the restaurant, he has put the clothes on. Also, would you keep a full suit in a briefcase? Yeah, a few comments on this, but I don't, so I've got quite a few. Yeah, well, I just said a lot of things, so by all means, um, take as long as you want to unpack that. One, you would definitely not keep a suit, good suit, in a briefcase and have it all folded and all that. that that's not enough space in that briefcase for a proper suit. Exactly. Um, really, you'd have to really ram it in there and crease it, and I cannot see Fraser doing that. Two, does it? Is it just me, or does that suit fit Phil? quite it's not that bad a fit it's not a million yeah. miles off smaller than Kelsey. i mean i know he says that he staples the, the hem of the legs um, that would not be enough i mean the, the blazer wouldn't fit him Kelsey is about six three or whatever and he's very broad-shouldered i mean you, you phil would look like he's been very ill recently if he tried to wear that suit um and he doesn't he looks maybe slightly long in the arms but he does kind of work for him that's what surprised me because there is a quite a noticeable difference in the size of the two guys is, like, as soon as he comes in the door you're like holy hell nathan lane is a tiny guy um <laughs> uh, yeah i completely agree um a lot of a great unpacking of my rambling comments there um i think you've got to the heart of it um i haven't cut you off is there was something else you're gonna say oh no i do also really like though how um niles is the one who really cuts to the chase when they're in the boats because frazier's going on these little monologue about how you know people are good and how he you know he got to keep his fountain pen because who wouldn't steal a fountain pen <laughs> um and nas is just like wait so you asked the guy who has your car keys to meet you here knowing that you would bring your car <laughs> and it's just it's so good the way that you know fraser turned around and just moving down the street so good delivery yeah love it the thing that gets me about that scene is that niles isn't particularly street smart as we talk a million times about on this podcast i don't think he would be that quick to think of like oh fraser do you realize what a, a cock-up you've made here i think 
the joke should really be that Niles and Fraser are both oblivious and they're sitting there like, oh, how have we been fooled by this this common thief? Niles is shown to be way more alert in this episode than Fraser, which doesn't make sense to me because this is the kind of thing that should be happening to Niles. So a bit, yeah, slightly strange characterization, I think. Niles is way more confident and like socially adept in this episode, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think particularly in this little bit between um, Frasier and, and Niles when they're discussing, you know, him coming to meet him and, he, and all that. feels a bit more like it was written for Martin, for me. Mm. Martin was, you know, the way he points out, so, you know, you agreed to meet the guy here, knowing yeah. he has your car. Whereas, I, I, yeah, I, I think it would have worked better had the two of them been going on how people are innately good and how to know put in some very clever lines and witty dialogue about how you know you can get through to people and all this sort of thing then have them both realize oh we've been duped by you know this this commoner sort of thing um, yeah no I, I completely agree um it's an interesting dynamic dynamic rather that they kind of shift up in this um but yeah martin and martin i mean even when they're in the apartment martin and Niles are just teaming up aren't they against Ray? so um, yeah, I think very good point, and I'm interested to see what listeners make of that. I um, really do like it in the in the apartment when um, Fraser's going on. I am not a child, and what's your other request? Can I borrow your car? I want to go to the movies. <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> I mean, we've already talked about this bit a little bit with the low-fat uh, lattes and biscotti, so we haven't got to dwell too much here. I just love Martin's teasing of Fraser. Um, you know, oh, so oh, hot wider, did he? These guys have got fingers like concert pianists and <laughs> a really lovely a really lovely turn of phrase one that again we wouldn't expect martin to say um not a kind martin, of saying as far as i'm aware martin kind of re- um reminds me a bit of um the crucible in this episode mm. and you know the way when he like when he finds out about frazier uh, being duped by the art gallery yeah like you know sometimes the system screws you over it's one of those things like there's yeah. a very a similar sort of attitude here yeah they're kind of getting him to ring the fine arts forgery department he's kind of doing that here like gaslighting him a little bit it's definitely it's definitely a good a high point of the episode i think um back in kacl denise phones as we've talked about <laughs> hey tiger um the most amazing night she spent with a man but the fact that she's the fact she names the BMW is hilariously awful. Like, oh, I woke yeah. up and see a BMW driving down the hot driveway. I mean, no one would ever in that instance name the, the style <laughs> of car. I think that's such a it's hilarious, it's bad, it's I don't know, it's just a perfect I think it's an unintentionally hilarious line because it just makes no sense. Yeah, it's it's shoehorned in to progress the plot, isn't exactly, it? Exactly, just so he can put two and two together. Um, but it just sounds awful. Like it's just like what? Like oh yeah, I saw your Mercedes E three twenty driving off the uh, earth. Yes. It's exactly. But honestly, if Fraser, if they respond, go. You have the big Mercedes. <laughs> <laughs> and then she signs off her phone call with kisses, which is cringy as hell, and just yeah, not a big fan of that. It kind of says a lot about the kind of woman Denise is. Perhaps who knows? Um, I love. Absolutely love Kelsey's delivery in this scene. Just the way you know, I say, he's just got—he's got that drawl, and his voice goes so gravelly. And and it's like, what was that Shakespeare wrote? He's he who steals my purse steals trash, but he who steals my good name steals. Well, I forget the rest, but you—you you know what I mean. 
<laughs> he just storms out of the corridor. It's just so good. I completely agree. His voice just goes. He just loses it here. Um, he often... Kelsey loves to tap into this kind of crazy, angered <laughs> Frasier. Um, and when he does, which isn't that often, it's just so, so good. I mean, a bit like in Author, Author, when he's kind of jumping on it. Like, you stole my mummy. Um, so good. Um, so... In the restaurant, Alberto's here. He meets the the he- the lovely Heather at the bar. And they really hit it off here before Heather ultimately mistakes him for the lazy bastard. Um, surely she recognizes his voice. Thank you. Yes, I was thinking this. It's a massive plot hole. One that is addressed because Frasier does start to say that when she leaves. He's at the door and he says, surely you recognize. And then he's cut off um, and he comes back into the restaurant. So he's going to say that himself. So it's not a massive plot hole. But it makes no sense to me. She she's listened to the show. She she's she knows him enough to say he's great. She'd recognise his voice. Absolutely would recognise his voice. He's got one, he's got a very distinctive voice. Phil's voice is very different. They don't have similar voices at all. And I mean, it's like if, if listeners to this podcast met me and you in person, they might not necessarily know what we look like. I think if, if we started speaking, they'd be able to tell which one was Will and which one was Key. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. So I find it I just, I don't buy it at all that she doesn't think it's Frasier and then she and when we're given a choice between Phil and Frasier she still doesn't think Frasier is Frasier it just it doesn't work I don't understand it I don't I I completely agree with you I mean on that note about you saying people recognizing our voices one thing that's always really interesting to me is I'd love for those who have never seen a picture of us and I think most listeners at least have seen me because they've they've seen me on Twitter or whatever um it would be great to just get a picture of me and you and people just and then and then a selection of voices and then people say who do they think is who um because often i, I often if i if i was a listener to this show weirdly i always end up getting it wrong say i was listening to a podcast of two people and i see a photo of them i always end up mismatching the voice to the person and it happens all the time and i don't know what it is about my brain but nine times out of ten i will always mismatch so i'm really interested to see how the brain kind of works that out because they're kind of two things that don't really go together the way someone's voice sounds and what they look like they don't really connect you know what i mean someone can look like i don't know the rock the massive and have a really high-pitched you know squealy voice it's like there's, there's no way of knowing so it's, it's weird how the brain kind of makes those connections so yeah i'd be interested to see but i think most listeners know what at least i look like um you've got a much more muted social media yeah. presence which i, I do, think i is, tend to yeah, stay away from thing. social media i think it's a good thing i spend far too much time on it and it ruins me so you've got the uh you've got the right idea there okay frazier's line the bad frazier when he's trying to talk about <laughs> oh no the other frazier the bad frazier that's hilarious <laughs> to me, unintentionally or not it's just it's just like it's like something from i don't know from like a goosebumps episode like you know his evil doppelgangers going around causing mayhem the bad frazier i just think that's hilarious um i really love that line and then when lazy bastard comes in and he's like oh man i put on my best suit no you didn't you put on my best my suit, suit. <laughs> i love that the, the, nathan lane's is his his line in particular i put on my best suit it's hilarious um we haven't even talked about this guy do you do, what is nathan lane most famous for to you because he's been in a lot has he <laughs> oh, okay I, i'm I, that's i'm sorry for assuming i thought you might you might have been familiar with him are I'll you not he's oh, the he voice of the lion king oh he is oh my god 
Oh, and I, I loved, I had a video when I was a kid. would love to know if uh, anyone out there had this video. It was called Timon and Pumba Around the World. And it was basically like four or so mini, mini TV films. Um, it's just Timon and Pumba from The Lion King. And famously, there's a set piece where they sing Stand By Me by Benny King. And it's got millions of views on YouTube. It's like really... And Nathan Lane is singing it and singing it really well. Just, yeah, it's it's a really... I love that video. So Nathan Lane has got kind of a, a place in my childhood, really, because I loved Timon and Pumba a lot. Um, he, he was, was also in the producers. Um, he with, was also in The Birdcage. Yeah, um, which is a film I need to watch because everyone's always told me it's great and I'd really like it's it. It's a great film. Yeah, I've seen The Birdcage. And he's um, he was the voice of Snowbell in Stuart Little. Of course, that's another really famous one. Snowbell. Stuart Little is such a good film. I love Stuart Little. Um, I tell you what, that is a bit of an insult, though, isn't it? When a mouse gets chosen over you. <laughs> that's that's a is, tough moment. Man, all the other kids in that damn orphanage, man. It's uh, <laughs> it's tough. Um, but I do love me some Michael J. Fox. Oh, so. man. I love Michael J. Fox. Yeah. So good. So good. Oh, no, no. Steve, in particular, and Hamish are huge Back to the Future fans. So they will so be sharing the Michael J. love right now. He's an amazing film. So good. I mean, do you have a preference out of the three? I think it's got to be the first one. Yeah, I, I'm. First I, I one think... is amazing. The second one is good. Don't tend to watch the third very often. I don't so. think I've seen the third one, but I love the Wild West. I think I get a kick out of it. But the second, second, weirdly, the second one tends to rank higher for a lot of people. I don't know. It's got like iconic things like the self-lacing night boots and the hoverboard, and I don't think they're in the first one, or, or are they? No, they're not. No, no I don't think. But he goes um, to the yeah, yeah. to the 50s yeah and um i just i love him playing johnny be good at the Aww. dance it's uh it's your was it no um it's your cousin marvin marvin berry <laughs> you know that new sound you're looking for well listen to this <laughs> i think steve um steve edited a, a clip of that actually and is like and listen to this and it was just the logo for this podcast that is playing through him down the telephone <laughs> but yeah, it's like oh i don't think you're ready for that but your kids are gonna love it like that is just the best so freaking cool and weirdly that um that film, I mean, obviously, Stratocasters and guitars were big anyway. They've always been big since, like, the 60s and the 50s even. But that film really put, like, just, you know, amateur teenagers playing the guitar on the map. It like had it made a massive spike in, like, guitar sales and stuff. So that scene is, like, iconic for so many reasons, I think. But, yeah, that's a big Michael J. Fox tangent. But, yeah, it's we got <laughs> Nathan Lyons. It's all linked. Um the set of Albertos looks like a new set to me. I can't tell um, what they've maybe used, what they've where this is perhaps repurposed again in a future episode because all these sets are reused. I mean, the shape of it does it does it? Do you think kind you of know what it reminded? Be? It reminded me. I could be wrong on this, so feel free to correct me. It reminded me a bit of the timber mill. Yeah. At all. I tell you what, it also reminds me of um, the topaz room where you know where the door yes. is. I yeah. thought they closed that place now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the door and the way the door is placed. Obviously, they've, they've really reduced the size. Um, but yeah, it could be any of those. I think I think it's interesting how they adapt them because they obviously have to spend a fair amount of money to, to make them look unique. The timber mill, for example, is a very distinct 
unique location in the show. So, um, though obviously we have, you know, lazy, lazy, lazy starts going off on his big tangent. Sweetheart, I don't have the uh, energy to look for a pen. Can you just, can you just connect me? Great line. Frasier trying still to be the good guy here, which I think is very admirable given he's really had a, a shit time of it this episode. Um, I think the fact he's still up until he says trust no one, he's still trying to hold on to this last vestige of humanity he believes in. So I think I think we're meant to be. I mean, we're meant to be on Fraser's side here, aren't we? He's admirable. Uh, but I just, it's so much credit, I think, to, to Nathan Lane, how good he is in this last... Because he's only actually in the episode for, what, two, well, three to five minutes, maybe? Yeah, he has hardly any lines. And yet he won um, Outstanding Guest Actor in a Comedy Series. Oh, he was wow. nominated, nominated for the Emmy for this. Oh, he was nominated, or did he win, sorry? I think he was just nominated. Still, um, still an to be nominated. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's a really big thing. Um, and, you know, just think for three to five minutes, that's a testament just to how good he was in that scene. And just, he is. And he's, I really like him as a character. Just lazy, lazy, lazy. Oh, you know? by the way, upgraded. You guys have a new car phone. <laughs> just, <laughs> everything. He takes so many liberties. I love it. I definitely have reworked him. Like, obviously, they'd cast someone else in this role. They could have had Nathan Lane as a recurring character, I think. he's, Yeah, he's got just a real charisma about him, I think, which is really enjoyable. So, weirdly, I always confuse him with Patton Oswalt, who is a uh, another famous actor, comedian. He was in The King of Queens, the sitcom with like, Kevin James and Jerry Stiller and stuff, quite famous. I know of it. I've never watched it. Yeah, but he, he basically looks a lot like Nathan Lane, or at least in my head he does. They probably they probably don't. You get pictures of them. But they're both quite, I think they're both quite short um, and just have a general similar vibe. So I think Patton Oswalt's got quite a nasally voice as well, and like you know, Nathan Lane's is quite, it's quite pitchy, it's quite distinct. So yeah, weirdly, I've always got them confused in my head, but there you go. Um, what I'd have quite liked to have seen, and mm. I don't, I, this probably in practice wouldn't have worked, but um, I don't know. Nathan Lane gets like community service. Also, that's a good name, isn't it? Nathan Lane. That's a, that's a name. name. You're not just going to call him Nathan. He's Nathan Lane. Um, Nathan Lane. I'd love to have seen him maybe get like community service and have to assist Fraser or something as a part of like a reparation program. That'd be so um, good. Him being lazy and Fraser like being a bit of an odd couple with Fraser trying to keep him on task, him being lazy and trying to do some kind of scheme on the side. I'd have watched that show. I would have watched the hell out of that. I think that'd be so good. I just think I just think there's so much potential in his character there. Um just yeah, him doing community it's him in an orange jumpsuit at the side of the road. I mean, it's rights itself. <laughs> um <laughs> So, you, we've, we've talked about this before because I'm re I'm, I'm watching it again. You watch you've watched Seinfeld, haven't you? Um, I've not seen it start to finish, but I've seen like the first. I'm up to about season three or four. Something oh, like that. okay. I mean, I'm, I'm up to like season five. Obviously, George's dad, Fr um, Frank Costanza, comes into it, played by the great late Jerry Stiller, um, also in King of Queens. So uh, you won't have got there. I was just gonna. There's, there's a clip that's really famous where he leaves a voicemail to Jer to Jer uh, to, yeah to Jerry's dad. And it's just, it's amazing. I'll have to send it to you when we finish this. Um, anyone listening who knows, who's watched Seinfeld, I imagine a few of you will have. It's the This Is Frank Costanza scene. I'm sure you'll uh, be familiar with it. Uh, Kay, is this episode in your top 10? It's not in my top 10. It's not in my top 10 either. But kudos to Nathan Lane. Um, it's not a bad episode. Also, I just think it does something interesting plot-wise. I just think this is quite a novel episode in many ways. There's a lot of kind of intricacies to it. It doesn't really follow a formula we see that often in Frasier. I just think it's it's pretty decent. So, fan of it. 
favourite actor pick this week, Lee? I think there can only be one choice because I don't think anyone else really gets enough of a look in to be able to really compete for it. So I think I've got to say Kelsey. You've got to say Kelsey. I've got to say Kelsey as well. I completely agree. No one else really gets the uh, the airtime. Nathan Lane would have been a good pick, but he doesn't appear again. And we have we have had to set that one very loose rule. They've got to recur um, in more than one episode if we pick them. Uh, Kennedy Burling. What did he make of this episode, please? Go on, on the ground. I think that um, Kennedy Burling is the man who was handing Nathan Lane his Emmy at, uh, <laughs> at the awards ceremony. Wow. Do you think that Kennedy Burling would maybe impersonate Nathan Lane and then go for a night of passion with Denise. Is that the kind of thing I hadn't thought that, but now I can't get out of my head. I tell you. Kennedy's a bit of a player. When he's not handing out Emmys, he's pursuing your women. That's all we need to do. The wife will just wake up tomorrow morning and see his BMW going down the driveway. (laughs) Excellent. Thank you, Gino. No further questions needed. Thank you for sharing Kennedy's thoughts this week. Now all that remains is to play Who's Crying Is It Anyway? And your two word phrase this week is simply You're kidding. Who says you're kidding in this episode? Are oh, you kidding? Um, it can be anyone, yeah? Anyone. <laughs> I should know anyone. this. Spoken line in this episode. My first thought is maybe it could be Nathan Lane because it could have been like Fraser said, oh, why don't you do that after he's just said about how late he is? It's going to be kidding. Um, see that, possibly. The only other person I'm thinking it could be possibly Kelsey at some stage. Um, mm-hmm. when he's talking about maybe having his his briefcase stolen or something like that yeah um i'm thinking it's either suggestions here okay i'm thinking that it is either Ethan lane or elsie okay oh i need to toss a coin i just need to guess i am gonna say also it's not kelsey Kay. And it's not Nathan Lyon. (laughs) It's Martin when he's pretending when Frazier's uh, is like, he says, my car was stolen. He goes, you're kidding. It's like, yeah, (laughs) once again, I fell victim to a master criminal. (laughs) Um, So that is when that is the line. It's Martin, but unlucky key. I kind of led you down a, a dark Freudian hallway there. Now all that's left is jump over to Listener Mail, okay? Are you ready to hop over? Yeah, hop, jump, I'll do whatever. Raz, who's our next caller? Okay, so Listener Mail this week had a lot of great um, people write in. One thing we will say is a lot of these comments amazingly in-depth, and we have read them all, we can promise you, but some of them are very long, um, and that's that's fine, but it just means we probably won't be able to read all of it out or just paraphrase. Um, but obviously, keep sending them anyway, because we love reading your thoughts. K3R3G3, the Fracious subreddit moderator and chief courtmaster, just loved the basically just put the um the exchange where he says hey you've got nice feet then bulldog that is ross saying really you don't think they're too big and bulldog responding are you kidding i could get this whole thing in my mouth easy he puts freaking line makes me laugh every time plus we get to see ross's feet i'd paint her toenails (laughs) little little (laughs) bit too graphic there thank you um love it okay um Next up, we've got Reclia, um, who points out there was actually there is actually another uh, musical montage. It happens again in season ten when Fraser and Niles are learning to ride bikes. Yes, and um, there's also another one I think someone points out, which we'll get to. So there are, there are a few we missed. And then in terms of this episode, uh, for me once, um, shame on you. For me twice, she says it's an all right episode, but I was surprised and disappointed we didn't see what happens after Fraser was taken away by the police. I assume he was cleared and got his stuff back, but what about the criminal? Why couldn't the the credit scene um, have been used to wrap that up? Yeah, really good point. And I mean, as you said, Kay, we wanted to see him in orange jumpsuits, you know, picking up trash, didn't we? So they could have done something like that. Or it would have been funny to have him doing that 
and then like him just like kind of looking around sketchy and then just like running away you know like being lazily opting out of that as well or something i don't know um I don't know, I'd, maybe i've quite liked to have seen him like doing something like that but then if you had like a prison officer sort of watching him um and he goes up and he steals his watch or something like the way that the woman at the door with niles in the credit scene i think she steals his watch i think yeah um, maybe have nathan lane do something like that but with like a, a copper in, in a police station or something yeah, that'd be so good. Um, so yeah, definitely some potential miss there that they could have gone for. Um, Argle goggle Google Goop, uh, which I'm getting better at every week. You are well done, mate. Thank you, mate. Great comment. A um, little bit, obviously, a little bit long to read all of it out, so we'll just paraphrase. But um, they agree that they love Dan Butler's physical acting and agreed with us that it was up there with David Hyde Pierce when he's getting all of his bits out. Um, a lot of people have commented on Key's bulldog bark, <laughs> which I've edited into the. Well, I, I kind of gave up about halfway in because it was taking too long but every time he mentions bulldog we get the whoop, which is just fantastic <laughs> um one of our one of my favorite highlights of this season on the podcast i think he also puts that he it was interesting that he found francesca's voice irritating because i've read this before actually rosie perez was actually one of the first choices to play daphne and she she grinds me so much in that episode where she's only a quick caller that i would not have been able to hack her being in it regularly and she does appear in the show later as well um in crocktails which is in season 11 so interesting that they, they got her back uh regarding the other calling guest carly simon apart from nobody does it better one other signature song of hers is you're so vain quite fitting if you used to describe fraser at many a time he thinks which i very much agree with um also talks about Niles's las vegas love-hate relationship um and he because he, he basically he, he's snobby about um donnie having got graduated from the university of las vegas so Niles and Las Vegas is a very interesting and complex relationship, I think. Yeah, next comment we have uh, Squonk15. I really love this comment, actually. I think it's really, I really, it's one of my favorite comments. Um, mm. So, uh, the podcast about a month ago, I live in Texas, but covers a sale territory, including Oklahoma and Arkansas, so travels quite a bit. And while they've been traveling, they have plowed through all 39 episodes. That's amazing. They have an annual tradition for Frasier. Um, on the first, um, on the 2nd of July every year on their birthday, they um, they start with season one, episode one, and in the next month or so, rewatch the series in its entirety. Heavy going. I'm, I'm impressed that's in a month. Um, no, no. I tend to try and rewatch usually like once a year, but I'm not in a month. I, I take it over a bit longer a period of time. So yeah, sure, I'm the same. Really, really impressed. Um, their comments on um, just some past episodes of our so in, we mentioned before the sleepless in seattle uh, title card and um, you were quite surprised that they said they had to do it eventually uh, they say that the movie came out in 1993 and everyone was talking about it tom hanks had become one of the most popular stars and meg ryan was america's sweetheart so everyone was talking about it and that's um why that joke was made because it was a, a phenomenon mm-hmm. um and in the botch language of the cranes they say that it's a particular favorite for them uh, and they were surprised it didn't rank higher for us um However, he says that I'm assuming it's a he. It could be a she. I thought actually, I think it is a he because it finishes with Mr. Good Times. So oh, there you go. We can just say it's a he. With he, yeah. The the comment about uh, Seattle weather didn't ring true to you, uh, but he thinks it's actually a cultural thing. Over in America, all it takes is for one or two people to jump on a minor celebrity comment, and everyone will dogpile them. And that's something that's gotten worse with um, social media. Oh, it's he, gotten um, so much worse. Really, really good. Good point here. He, he compares it to John Lennon's uh, more popular than Jesus comment in 1966, which didn't really make much of a wave in the UK. 
But in America, there were death threats, boycotts, and record burnings. And by no, 1967, nobody cared again. Um, so that's a really, really interesting comment to see, sort of, I think, the, the American side of some of the episodes yeah really great that kind of cultural difference i think is brilliant um and that's one of the best things we've got out of this podcast having uk listeners and american listeners who are kind of coming together um mischief knight's fun bits this week he put suspension of disbelief be damned we see very briefly excellent there little pun uh fraser's briefcase on the floor under the table in the first shot that whole time fraser is at the counter niles and Rosa at the table with a field of vision right in front of the table they were of course in conversation but those tables are small i find it hard to believe nobody would notice nathan lane walking up and taking the briefcase considering in order for him to do so he would have had to walk in front of the camera very very good point um just yeah completely spot on also it's kind of funny because the fact the way he puts nobody would notice nathan lane it's like nathan lane's famous in the world of rage like (laughs) oh look it's nathan lane (laughs) he's stealing your brain guys um but yeah completely completely spot on Corey, as always um nervosa insights i completely agree i think that is a bit of a um bit of a plot hole really i think someone is seeing that happening you know yeah um, the next comment we've got from uh, Swan Pipper. Um, just can't wait for the listen. Short and sweet. Really like that. Short and sweet. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to... I really think it's Swampy Par. <laughs> Is it Swampy Par? I don't know. But I love the fact we both have kind of set up a camp. <laughs> You're Swan Pipper and I'm Swampy Par. Uh, maybe they should never, ever tell us. Um, I, I, I'd like to... And maybe keep it for the last ever episode. There we go. Uh, <laughs> Cinnamon Stable put another fine podcast. I've been feeling a little ill this evening and the only thing that made me laugh harder and Will talking about eating topless was Key's <laughs> imitation of Bulldog. Nice touch with the subsequent Bulldog woofs. They said they forgot to comment about the episode-specific artwork you've added to the podcast graphic. Very nice. My favourite has been the toilet and plunger for Seat of Power. We'll definitely be doing those regularly from now on, I get. They, they take me 10 seconds, and they're, they're really good fun, so expect more of those. I don't, I'm don't. i going to assume a briefcase will be on this one. I don't know yet. They agreed with us in Ros and the Doghouse that Frasier was a bit of a jerk. It just generally, you know, him and Niles being really boorish, as they say, was a bit uncomfortable and surprising to them. And it was it was to me and Key as well. And they don't have any cathedral bell shoes. Uh, they threw out the mantra of having expensive shoes when their money started running out. Plus, all my friends are now married. I work in a fairly casual office and I stay home a bit more. So I don't have many occasions to wear really nice shoes. As always, looking forward to the next podcast so thank you very much cinnamon sable uh, next up we have ludicrous poppin jay uh, this is another quite a long comment so i will paraphrase amazingly in-depth american sports stuff here so if anyone I, wants to go and check it out in its entirety then it's on the reddit absolutely love this comment and i have questions based on it so <laughs> um yeah i will i'll work through it so um personally uh he loves um my bulldog yip, um, which yip. I, I feel I'm never going to live down. Um, <laughs> interestingly, he says that um, he was really turned off by Frazier's raging sexism and dismissiveness towards Roz and didn't like the ending. Um, and it reminded him of moments in Cheers and Frasier where he makes the occasional comment about striking someone, usually in reference to Lilith or Diane. He's also inclined to agree that Bulldog was serious in wanting Roz's professional skills couldn't help but being the gloriously depraved hornball that he is at the end <laughs> also a really really good comparison here and this is what i was thinking of um when Roz actually leaves um the apartment 
is that it mm-hmm. reminded him of the rake scene in um, Cape Fear of the Simpsons episode with Sideshow Bob. The yeah. way that it was funny, unfunny, becomes funny again. Um, and they suggested, Kelsey suggested it to the writers. Just, I'm not sure of the dates. I'm not sure which came first. I'm assuming the Simpsons um, season, was it season five? I think that happened. I um, think so, yeah. Ed before this, I think. I could be wrong. No, I'm not 100% sure of the dates. Um, yeah, season five would have been 94, would it? So it will be it will be slightly before this season, I think. Uh, interesting to see yeah, if Kelsey did suggest that and, and the, the thinking behind it, but it's really, really funny. The old producer, um, as you mentioned earlier, reappears in Everyone's a Critic as KSL's love, lovable curmudgeon, Chester Ludgate. Chester Ludgate. Whose commentary show apparently was vacating the time slot that eventually went to Poppy's art show. But he didn't have any lines. Oh, what a, what a loss. The term boner um, <laughs> has the same connotation uh, that we discussed last week, but it can also be used to describe a mistake, particularly a foolish mistake. He's very famous for a, a baseball misplay in 1908 that became known as Merkel's boner. <laughs> American sports, now this is the bit I'm really, really interested, is that um, they talk about um, Major League Baseball being the first major national sport to start moving teams around the 1950s. Um, but since uh, 1980, the only MLB team that moved was in 2005 when the Montreal Expos relocated to Washington and became the Washington Nationals. The most famous example of relocation is the Brooklyn Dodgers moving to LA in 1958. And if you ever heard of Jackie Robinson, who I have heard of because of course, legend um, re- reintegrated MLB, um, he's the most famous yeah, Brooklyn Dodger that you're likely to have heard of. Uh, the move was so unpopular that among Brooklyn fans, there was a common joke that went like this. If you're in a room with Hitler, Stalin and Walter O'Malley, who was the Brook- the Dodgers owner at the time, <laughs> but your gun only has two bullets, what do you do? Shoot O'Malley twice. <laughs> that's a great line. It's a great um, trick in the office that's used as well. Similarly, he says that NFL teams have moved around a lot, particularly in the early days of the 1920s to the 1950s. And the Raiders, Rams, and Chargers have all moved around multiple cities. Similarly, NBA and NHL teams have also moved. Um, the notes that a lot of the reasons um, you often hear things potentially moving is because, um, I think he says, making threats to move and potentially the Sonics uh, might actually move on again in the near future. Really, I think that's a really, really fascinating comment, actually, just to see this little insight into the history of American sports. Yeah, um, massively so. And they've took a lot of time there, uh, Ludicrous Bob and Jay, to just provide links and explanations and stuff. So although we can't read the full thing out, massively appreciate the, the detail there. Um, yeah. So you're going to say... I, yeah, I'd be really interested to know, as in, speaking as an English sports fan, when your team moves, so if you're a Sonics fan and they've moved and things like that, do you still stay a fan of that team? Do you still consider that your team? Or do you think that that's now a new team and that your team is the one that's still based in... Yeah, because if so, if I'm a Villa fan, we're based in Birmingham. If that if Villa moved to London, we would not regard that as Aston Villa anymore. We'd regard start our own club with like a very similar name, and that would be regarded as the spiritual home of Aston Villa. Yeah. So I'll be really interested to see. You know, with American fans, do they sort of would you still accept it, even though it's potentially a different state? You won't be able to go see them live with any ease or anything like that. I'd be really interested to know the different like attitude and perspective of American fans on that. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, there's a book, actually. I don't know too much about uh, baseball, but I've been meaning to watch Ken Burns' documentary. Ken Burns famously for, famous for his like massive, sprawling American documentaries. They're normally like two-hour-long episodes, and there's like 10 or 20 episodes in a, in a series. They're massive undertakings. 
but he's done one on the Civil War. He's done one on jazz. He's done one on country music. And famously, he's done one on baseball, which is meant to be really good as well. Um, almost like a bit like Frasier, very relaxing, almost background watching as well as for those who are huge MLB enthusiasts who, who watch it, you know, really concentrating and stuff. Um, but there's a, there's a great book by Roger Kahn called The Boys of Summer, which is all about um, the Brooklyn Dodgers and their, their 55 World Series win. And as someone who knows nothing about MLB, I'm, I'm still planning on reading it pretty soon because I think it's it's like a really good portrait of that period of American life through the lens of baseball. And I think that's what I love about American sports so much is that it can often be used as, a, you know, a bit like the documentary OJ Made in America. You look at OJ Simpson, you looked at the NFL, and that was used to diagnose huge issues of race racism in America. Just really interesting how they use these things. So, yeah, that all that stuff, although it's a bit new to me, is uh, is really interesting. So I don't you know I don't watch baseball or anything like that. But what I do find really interesting, two big things. One, I love the poem uh, Casey at the Bat, which is where the Simpsons episode Homer at the Bat takes its name from. Really great poem. Mm. Anyone's into poetry? That poem, good poem. I don't think um, I know that poem. Oh, it's very good, mate. It's very good. It's about a baseball. It's a poem just about a baseball match, and um, it's as I say, it's where Homer at the Bat, which is an episode I know you love. Oh, I have um, love. That's where it takes its name from. Is the poem Casey at the Bat. Oh, wow. Um, awesome. You know, it's not necessarily going to be the most like, oh my goodness, this is up there with, you know, Auden and things like that. But it's a very <laughs> enjoyable poem. I really like it. Sure. Um, the only other thing I really know about baseball, like the, um, was it 1919? Was it the Black Sox scandal with uh, Shoeless Joe Jackson? And Sounds ever, about right. Ever heard the phrase like, uh, say ain't so, Joe? Um, I think I have, from, yeah. Yeah, from that one, I think they were accused of, of cheating. So um, just a really oh, interesting, that one really small thing on about baseball really interests me. No, I love that. I love that. Um, and what you said about the poem as well, like, you know, not being Auden. I think the fact you get any enjoyment out of it is just that is what all writing should do. Um, and I just think, yeah, the fact that you love, I love Nightmare, which is a poem by oh, Auden. Um, I, I still regularly just have that in my head when I go to bed. This is the nightmare, ding in the check and the poster. <laughs> It's like a train, um, and there's a brilliant electronic British band called Public Service Broadcasting, and they basically take old BBC broadcasts and turn it into like they put put like music samples over it. And obviously, Nightmare was written for a BBC, you know, documentary about the train. And so they they if you want to listen to something at night that combines the poem with great like ambient electronic music, that is that's the song to listen to. Um, but yeah, Nightmare. It's not really a, a critically praised poem or like. A, rest of Auden's work but for me because we studied it in like ch our childhood it's got a lot of nostalgia and I think it's got some really beautiful moments in it so you know that's what and I still know. remember it all these years later, I know which, I can remember you know, it was a real credit to it. yeah so and it was a supply teacher we had that taught us that as well I think it was like a Mrs. Warner or something that that was like what we did when she was looking after the class so Hamish Camwinson I think is the final comment this week and he puts how are we lads I love the podcast about Ros and the Doghouse and thought Bulldog's rough acting was outstanding the scene where Bulldog has all the gear ready to go in his kit bag is priceless on that I suspect knowing that Bulldog knowing what Bulldog is like he would always have that gear in there for opportunistic Bulldog moments right enough about Bulldog um, he also puts rough after every instance of Bulldog there which I don't have the energy to repeat but it's great to read um Interesting thoughts around sports teams moving around. Doesn't happen in New Zealand very often, although our only professional football team, the Phoenix, soccer for our USA listeners, moved from Auckland to Wellington in 2008. When he says our only professional football team, does he mean the national team? That can't be the only football team in New Zealand, surely? I don't, I don't know. Do you mean maybe they compete in the Australian League? Um, oh, that's a good point. 
that's a very good point. I do not know enough about Australasia and that kind of, yeah, that's that's a really good point. He also mentions um, the, the Raiders moving from Oakland to Las Vegas, which I, th I think we talked about in, in Rise in the Dark House. Um, as for Bond, I've probably seen about half of them and I love what I've seen. My dad and I used to go to the pictures to see them, so I'll have to get back onto that wagon. I'll call myself Double O Hammy. I mean, my dad loves Bond as well and me and him have always loved Roger Moore. That is just like a thing we have. So, yeah, love that you are... Uh, that you are also a Bond fan, Hammy. Uh, anyway, peace, chaps. He puts hashtag up the villa. We don't want to talk about the villa on the podcast today after suffering a humiliating defeat last night. That will be the last we say on Villa. Um, thank you all for your comments this week on Listener Mail. Really great to hear from you all. Next week, we're looking at season um, two, episode 15, You Scratch My Book with the wonderful Dr. Honey Snow. Um, so looking forward to that. Coincidentally, sounds like she could be a Bond girl. Um, it does. I mean, I'm giving myself a mental hug right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think you'll be doing that all day, Gay. Um, honey, honey, honey Rider is a Bond girl, so Honey Snow, um, you know, it's it's almost there. But until then, I've been Will. Been Key. Thank you very much for listening to We're Listening. Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs Oh my And maybe I seem a bit confused Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegs <laughs> But I don't know what to do With those tossed salads and scrambled